Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galanti along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, it is Ohio State week. A big week. I imagine this is a busy week for T. Frank. Yeah, absolutely. All kinds of stuff happening over uh, in the T. Frank's film room. Also, bluewhiteillustrated.com. There's a sale going on. We've got magazines going out. Uh, we've got, uh, on top of all of that, most importantly, Breaking down the game, which is uh, what I'm always my favorite part of being busy. And that's what we're going to get to today. So super excited about that. Uh, like I've uh, said, I worked ahead so that we would absolutely be able to talk about Ohio State all week. I've seen enough film still working through some of it. You know, the latest stuff that came out this weekend. But uh, we're, we're full go. Like UMass, we can bring it up if we want. But really, it's all about Ohio State. Now, let's look forward. UMass, <laughs> we've talked about it enough. Fine. Rearview mirror. It's all Buckeyes all the time. Let's talk about this Ohio State team. You've watched some of the film. Other than, as Lou Holtz has told us, uh, they're not a very tough team, right? (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's start on the offensive side of the ball for them. Let's start Mm -hmm. with McCord, new quarterback uh, who went to school in Pennsylvania. It's interesting, a Pennsylvania school kid is quarterbacking Ohio State, and Ohio high school kid is quarterbacking for Penn State. But let's take a look at Ohio State's offense, which, at least looking at the numbers, is not as prolific as it has been in years past, T. Frank. Yeah, so it's this is what happens when you run an aggressive offense, and one that demands a lot. And the Ohio State offense demands a lot of its offensive players from the quarterback all the way down to the offensive line. So they run a lot of vertical plays. And sometimes, you know, like Purdue, for example, can run a lot of vertical plays, but you can throw the ball quickly on a go route and select where you want to go with the football. You can throw it quickly. Ohio State runs a lot of really long developing concepts, a lot of deep crossers, a lot of stuff down the football field. So that requires the quarterback to be accurate at depth which is not always the case, not always easy. Um, You got to have receivers that are elite and you got to have offensive linemen that are elite. You have to have really top tier pass protectors and, and the the receivers are still there, but the quarterback I think has uh, some growing pains that we haven't seen from other guys at the position. They've been very, I don't want to say they've been fortunate because they've gone out and gotten great quarterbacks and McCord has the buildings of a great quarterback, but he's working through, I think some of the issues in anticipation, throwing into the right windows and not getting antsy in the pocket. Uh, And then the reason he's a little bit antsy in the pocket is because the, the, the edges of the pocket and the center of the pocket are not as firm as they have been in the past. Ohio state under Ryan day has had elite tackle play. It is not the case this year. The interior, their center is not quite the same player that you've seen. You know, they've put NFL players in at every position across the board. But this year, you don't have that same 
uh, level of talent. So that's where some of the issues have come through that they've worked on to be, I think they want to be a better running team. I think they genuinely do, but they don't really uh, do the things necessary to be an elite running team. Uh, they're just trying to bring a little bit more balance to what they do, a little bit more explosiveness to the run game. And um, that's why it's a bit of a work in progress. They're, they're, uh, what they do well and what they want to do, they're not quite set up to do it this year. And Ryan Day, I think, generally has not adjusted the offense for his talent. Well, let's talk a little bit about that running game. And injuries are part of the issue here, T. Frank, where they've had a couple running backs out. I don't think we know the status for this game for the running backs, do we? I haven't seen anything, but I genuinely don't pay attention to that because it's college football. No one ever tells you the truth anyway, or at least they obscure the truth as much as possible. So Travion Henderson injured. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Mayan Williams has been a ghost so far this year, and so that means Trip Tra Chip Trainum is their top running back. And uh, good, I'd say dependable, but not not the explosive athlete as Henderson. And Mayan Williams last year was physical and ran through contact and gave him that sandpaper they need. Trainum's a physical running back. He's a big, He's a, I think he's a big, he looks like a big dude. He plays like a big dude on film. Yeah, 5'11", 233. Um, so the explosiveness in the run game, their outside zone, which they are heavy into the outside zone stuff, which, as we talked about, Penn State is, is kind of migrating that way themselves. Um, you want a guy like Henderson to be on the field with that explosive speed because it's it's a little boomer bust in the run game with with outside zone, some tackles for loss, but also then some really big run plays. And they haven't functionally gotten a ton of those. Although I shouldn't say they haven't gotten a ton of those because Penn State, they've got 10. Penn State hasn't gotten as many as them of like 15 yard plus runs. Um, but from a from a talent perspective, that running back position, good, but not again to where it has been in the past. Uh, just for numbers, uh, they're averaging 135 yards a game rushing and 4.3 yards per, per rush. So certainly yeah. not at the high end there. Uh, we were talking about McCord a little bit, the new Kyle McCord, the first-year starter. And I don't believe he's not the same threat to run the ball either, is he? No, he's a pocket passer. So this is a game featuring two pocket passers. And it's interesting watching him. I've gotten so used to watching Drew Aller and uh, kind of rotational throwers. We've talked about uh, Drew Aller and Brad Mandler's quarterbacks, uh, how they throw the football. Ethan Grunkmeyer, these guys have a very modern style of throwing. And McCord is actually kind of a throwback. He's a, he's a strider. So he takes a big old school like pitcher's stride into his throws. And uh, what he's been working through this year, I think, is just generally being consistent with his mechanics and accuracy. So there are times in, in a condensed pocket, he will throw more with hip snap and rotation. And a lot of these things are very visual. So I apologize talking about this on a, on a radio show and, and without any visuals to, to talk about this. But um, imagine a pitcher versus a batter. And I think that's been you're you're the baseball guy. I, I'm way out of depth here. But that's the difference between the two throwing styles and McCord um, when he's given the opportunity he can sling it right so he's not a bad quarterback but the consistency and accuracy and the consistency of decision making I don't think he sees the field as well as CJ Stroud and that's really what we're coming back to this whole week is it's not just that we're uh, comparing Penn State to Ohio State in this matchup 
But Ohio State has set a standard for themselves of play and positional abilities, and that's what they're compared to. You know, you've set a high standard. You're a top five program in the nation. How are you measuring up to what you have been in the past? And there are areas where they don't really stack up to what they've done previously, which is how we kind of get into this evaluation of them versus Penn State. And T. Frank, yes, I think for so many years, uh, Penn State people, you look at your Penn State team, you look at the Ohio State team, and it was pretty obvious who had more talent on the field, and Penn State was punching up a weight class. Is this yeah. a year where Ohio State's talent level does seem to be down a little bit, where you're actually having question marks at different places, and has Penn State's talent reached their level? But let's talk specifically now. You're, we're talking about Kyle McCord maybe not being the most mobile guy. Their offensive line, you alluded to it a little bit. This is not one of those great Ohio State offensive lines. And right. I believe both tackles are new, their first-year starters. And might that be a matchup that favors Penn State with their defensive ends, and especially with a quarterback who's not so mobile? So there's two parts to this that I, I want to make clear when we're talking about Kyle McCord not being mobile. He's not Justin Fields, right? C.J. Stroud wasn't wasn't Justin Fields either, uh, but he is very good as a scrambler and getting out of pressure. He only has four sacks on the season, um, which is really impressive given what you just said of like he isn't he isn't a dual threat quarterback. He's not a modern guy that has the athleticism to to run and create, but he does a great job in the pocket. And I think he's responsible with the football. There's a lot of parallels between him and Drew Aller in this game. So yes, he's not super athletic, but he is hard to bring down. You can affect him. So that's the thing is he won't take a negative play, but he will not find the positive play as many times as we've seen in the past from Ohio State quarterbacks. Some of those you got to extend the play or you've got to find a guy down the field when you're leaving the pocket. His accurate, again, this is where we're talking about like a guy who is traditionally kind of a strider and he needs that big pocket to, to throw into his, uh, into his accuracy, essentially to stride into his accuracy on the run. He can make these throws, but it's just not as consistent as some of the guys we've seen previously. He also, at least from when I was looking at this earlier in the year, when he gets pressure, uh, the offense kind of breaks down because what he has done under pressure generally is he throws the ball short, where in the past we've seen uh, you bring pressure and the Ohio State quarterbacks will make you pay by still going downfield to their top receivers in contested coverage situations or just finding them 10, 15 yards down the field. So his average depth of target under pressure drops significantly. His production under pressure drops significantly. And this is sort of the case for all the Ohio State quarterbacks in this offense because there's, a, like I said, there's just a lot downfield and there aren't as many check downs or available routes underneath. So it's baked into the offense. But when he's not elevating those situations at this point, he can. We've seen him uh, against, you know, Notre Dame with some clutch throws. But on the whole, if you're talking about on the whole, yes. And then to spin that forward all the way to what you actually asked, which was about the offensive line and the tackles, Penn State has a significant advantage on the right side. Uh, the, the right tackle, I apologize, his name will come to me as soon as I read it here in a second. Uh, not quite the same player, again, that they've had at that position. Josh Simmons, um, the, the right tackle, I don't think, or sorry, Josh Fryer is the, the right tackle. I don't think he's the same guy that they've had previously at that position. Um, that's going to be an area where I think Penn State has an advantage. And then in the run game, they don't 
there's a couple of guys. Donovan Jackson's a former five-star guard. True talent. Like, he's going to be a very good football player. But they don't have as many of those guys as they have guys that are good, adequate at certain things. But Penn State, with their uh, players on the other side of the ball, have the advantage here. In, in a very basic sense. Chop Robinson is a borderline, if not first-round pick. First-round pick, in my opinion. I don't see a first-round tackle, right? Penn State, usually that's flipped. Uh, on the offensive line, Penn State has a top-five tackle. I don't see a top-five tackle for Ohio State. So when you look at the talent perspective, even just from a basic arithmetic position like that, Penn State has an advantage in the trenches in this game. And that's unusual, T. Frank. We don't typically see that going into a Penn State-Ohio State game where you say, all right, Penn State has the advantage here, here, and here. When we come back as we approach the end, and I don't want to ask you a quick question here and give you about 15 seconds to answer, T. Frank, because I know that's not in your nature anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But when we come back, what I want to talk to you about is the the Ohio State wide receivers. And if there is Mm -hmm. a place where Ohio State has the advantage, when we start talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., we start to say, okay, that may be the best player on the field, perhaps even the best player in the country. So we'll get to the wide receivers. We'll get to the tight end. We'll do all that as soon as we come back here for quarter number two. Stay tuned. Hey, it's T. Frank. Do you suffer from sleeplessness, anxiety, stress, maybe chronic pain? If you have any of these symptoms, that makes you like the rest of us. Um, and one of the ways that I deal with that, and I've told you for a long time here on the BWI YouTube channel, is that I struggle to fall asleep and stay asleep at night. And one of the things that's helped me is uh, RogueShop.com and their THC gummies. They are non-habit forming. I've never had a problem with stopping taking them or starting taking them or anything like that. Uh, you just take them, and uh, before you go to bed, help you fall asleep, help you stay asleep. When you need to go, shh, shh, brain, calm down. That's what it helps me do. Maybe you have chronic pain, though. They have some salves and some other things infused with THC, something that's been proven to abate pain symptoms. Uh, You can go to rogueshop.com and get more information about all of that stuff. Again, I'm just here to tell you about how it's helped me, but if you want the real information about how uh, THC and CBD can help you out, go to rogueshop.com, and when you do, use the promo code BWI. You'll get 10% off your first purchase at rogueshop.com. Again, tell them uh, that T. Frank sent you from the BWI Live Show, and uh, use the promo code BWI so you can get 10% off at rogueshop.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. We are in Ohio State week, so we're scouting the Buckeyes. Uh, T. Frank has watched the film, so we're going over some of that. Let's start. Let's go back to some of the things we were talking about in quarter number one. Uh, We were talking about Kyle McCord and the offensive line might be a little bit vulnerable to especially those Penn State defensive ends. And we were talking about the number of sacks that 
uh, Ohio State has suffered already through the season. And I know some of the numbers are pretty inconsistent with that, T. Frank. Yeah, so I when I said that he's only been sacked three times, I was citing a PFF stat in their pressure-to-sack ratio, which is, determines how many times a quarterback goes down under pressure. Um, and the accounting can be a little bit different. So if there is a free rusher that nobody is responsible for, uh, and by the way, the, the, the point here is that Ohio State has uh, 10 sacks on their stat record. So this is a pretty significant gulf of seven stats, uh, seven sacks in the stats. So I, I don't know exactly because I haven't gone through and charted it all myself. But the difference can can be in these situations who's responsible for it. And if the defense is able to get a free rusher at the quarterback that no, no offensive lineman is responsible for, that can be a part of the conversation of who's responsible for a sack and things can be um, can be uh, a little inconsistent there. Or here's another thing. The data could be wrong. So I just wanted to we wanted to address that because I know that that was a significant difference. And, and uh, you know, we checked mul- we, we try to check multiple sources on these things. But if I'm doing these things on the fly, the point I made remains Kyle McCord is good at avoiding sacks from what I've seen on film. He does a great job of eluding pressure when it gets to him. But it has, to this point, gotten to him more than it has previously uh, to the tune of 10 sacks at this point. Last season, I don't think they got to uh, I don't think they even got close to that number through the entire season. So that's something if you're a Penn State fan, you could look at that may be a matchup that Penn State could take advantage of. We know that Penn State wants to put pressure on the quarterback. And we know this all ties together. The ability of the offensive line to protect the quarterback, give him time to get the ball out to receivers. If Kyle McCord does have that time, though, he has some of the best receivers in the country to throw the ball to, right, T. Frank? Yeah, I mean, there's no secret here, right? Uh, Anybody can do the scouting of Marvin Harrison Jr. is unbelievable. He's just, he's ridiculous. He takes over games and that isn't entirely a possibility in this, in this game. The clear advantage, if you want to talk about, you know, tail the tape, who's got the better offensive line, who's got the better receivers, who's got the better D line. Uh, clearly, Ohio State is leading the country in terms of wide receiver production, going to the NFL, bringing in dudes and making them the best of their ability. So that is a huge advantage for Ohio State. And, and it's just amazing to watch him play in that um, sometimes he's not quite open, right? So he runs a route. He doesn't look like he's going to get separation. And then for a dude who is 6'4", and who is a big receiver with a high center of gravity, he just flips on the brakes, turns, and creates two or three yards of separation because the other guy is on skids. Like, right, he's just sliding off on the ice. And he creates an enormous separation with his route transitions. And then if he needs to, you know, contested catch down the field, burning guys that aren't, ready for him you know if you have a guy who isn't athletic enough he can run by a lot of of uh players out there in the country so he brings literally a full bag of tools to the table he is a very dangerous receiver and how they use him whether they they move him more now he lines up in the slot a little bit more than he had in the past and especially in high leverage situations so that's going to be how does Penn State contend with that last year they got a couple of opportunities where he he got chunk plays against a a uh, field safety where you're basically a slot safety is covering him in man coverage or in an off zone and he ran right by that guy. So it does does 
Ohio State try to move him to get advantages against Penn State's aggressive press coverage, or do they use motions and shifts to move guys around the field to bring up advantages where he might be maybe in a zone against a linebacker? All of those things are possibilities with Marvin Harrison Jr. And then when you go beyond him, I think the biggest story here is Emeka Abuka. Um, if he plays, is he 100%? Because if he's not, I think that's an advantage for Penn State and Daquan Hardy, where maybe Hardy doesn't have the size of Abuka, but he is a very good football player. He is very, uh, he's, he's really picked up on the details, I think, of playing receivers, because last year it felt like he was guessing on a lot of his two-way goes as a, as a slot corner, and now he's running routes for guys. He knows where they're going to try to attack him. He knows how they're going to attack him for the most part, and the defense funnels targets to a certain position by the way they play so you're seeing a lot of these slot fades and slot wheels where they're trying to get they're trying to run somebody down the sideline against Daquan Hardy and it's just not happening he's he's always in position or he's most of the time in position um if they're healthy if the if the Ohio State receiving core is healthy I think that is an area where it's going to be a challenge for Penn State because Hardy's size might show up or they might have an opportunity to have somebody in one-on-one coverage. I said earlier with a, with a, um, with a, a safety at some point, but when you go outside corners versus outside receivers, that's the, that's the matchup that's going to be the most entertaining to watch because you're finally going to see Kalen King and Johnny Dixon tested for the first time this year. And I think everyone wants to see how that battle is going to play out. This is multiple NFL players on both sides of the ball when, when you have yeah. that matchup. The other one, the guy we can't forget is Kay Stover. They have a pretty good tight end also. Yeah, and I want to I throw in Julian Fleming. Didn't mention him when we were talking about the receivers. Big, fast, physical. Penn State wanted him, obviously, as a, a former. I think he – did he commit at one point? I, that, uh, the details of those things always escape my brain he after they've already happened. A bit, he flirted quite a bit with Penn State. Let's put it that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, I was thinking of somebody else who, who committed then decommitted uh, at a different time. Um, so – Yes, like they, Cade Stover, good receiver, ability to get downfield. And again, uh, he is kind of the safety valve of this offense where he's not running as many deep routes. But he's still, like for a tight end, he's running a lot of deep routes. And if you're not paying attention or you give too much attention to those guys and you leave him one-on-one with the wrong player, he's absolutely a guy that's going to get some of those explosive plays again. So loaded at the, at the pass catcher position, and that's, that's no different. So it, it's going to be... It, you can make a name for yourself. If you're Penn State corners, you know, Johnny Dixon, I, I think just my read on him since he got to Penn State watching his South Carolina film, his physical talent is like second round corner, you know, second round in the NFL draft, which is that means he's a starter at the next level. Um, you've got Kalen King, who, you know, at one point was a first round pick, I think teams and, and you know, the media has kind of forgotten him because he hasn't had a lot of meaningful work this year. He's right back on the map if he contends and he fights with Marvin Harrison Jr. And he makes it hard on him and makes it have his hardest day of the year. Absolutely, this is a game that can explode a guy's stock because everyone's going to be watching this game. And every scout, every fan, every internet blog is going to be taking massive uh, implications away from this game one way or another. Speaking of players who could make their name in this game, T. Frank, that is a tremendous segue for us to shift over to Ohio State's defense and their yeah. defensive ends. And J.T. Tumaloa, who, when he was uh, against Penn State last year, he looked like he was an all-pro. 
it was fascinating then to look at his numbers the rest of the season. And it was not nearly the same as it was against Penn State. That's where he made yeah. his name last year. Let's talk about that Ohio State defense and start with the defensive ends. Again, pretty talented pair. Yeah, so I, it, it, to me, this is always a hard conversation of talking about the individual player and just like their skills without talking about what they're being asked to do. And I think that's an important part of this conversation. So the, the way this defense is structured, they play with three safeties. And this is, this is the interesting thing we talked about last week. We got to see the deep ball finally from Penn state. I don't think it was super impressive, but we finally got to see a defense that gave them press man coverage opportunities and they were able to throw the ball down the field. So, like, the idea that Penn State wasn't because they're being conservative, the defense has something to say about where you throw the football based on where they play their players. And there's going to be a safety parked in the middle of the field for most of this game because that's how uh, Jim Knowles' defense works. They want to keep a lid on explosive plays, and they also play a physical safety in the middle of the field to play the run game. So, But, like, what you're going to see, especially if Penn State comes out in three receiver sets, and this is going to be how matchups dictate things um, against Purdue. There were only six players in the box, you know, very light box. They have that safety roaming about 10 yards and then he flies down in, in run defense. So if you say like, Oh, well, Purdue got a bunch of yards. Like, that was functional to the defense. It puts a lot of pressure on the defensive line and the linebackers to be studs against the run. And I think they've got some good players against the run. And that's where we start with Tula Molio. He is a big power defensive end. So he is not Chase Young or Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa. He's maybe closer to Nick Bosa in that Bosa, that Bosa brother is not a speed player. He's a power player, but he's so fluid and he has such great mobility that he's able to turn that speed, that power into speed, kind of in an inverse thing of he shortens the corner so quickly that it seems like he's running faster than he actually is. Tulamolia is a bit longer, a little bit bigger, more of a closer to nine Dennis Sutton, maybe from a physical size. So he wins with power, and there's just, if you don't have that completeness in your profile, you don't end up being that, you know, top five defensive end. He still can wreck your game, you know, give him the right opportunity, and he can wreck your game. But if you're talking about Caden Wallace and his anchor versus Tula Molio, that's a better matchup than Bryce Efner last year, who was sub 300 pounds. So there's an element in this game that I think gives Penn State a bit of an a bit of a equal footing. We have not seen Wallace tested, though, by good players. And this is a very, very good player. So I'm trying to ride the line between, again, comparing him to an Ohio State player and comparing him to Penn State's offense and, and those things. If you put him in too many bad situations, Caden Wallace will give up pressure and sacks. But that's where the offense has to be efficient and avoid those opportunities. Coming back to the original point of this defensive line is really good against the run. Penn State has to consistently churn out yards against them with Jack Sawyer, and a couple of the guys on the interior, their defensive tackles are not as good as their defensive ends, but they've got some spark in the middle against the run that I think you you have to contend with. And that interior, that matchup, to me, is going to determine a lot of the game for Penn State's offense and how consistent they can be and stay away from bad situations. Of course, uh, T. Frank, we've got the same kind of timing this segment as we did in the Throw first me something quarter. Quick. I'll be quick. <laughs> <laughs> how good are the DBs on Ohio State? They're good, but again, they're not Denzel. This is always the, the theme is going to come back to this Ohio State team is good. 
they are not the same level as they used to be against, uh, you know, Penn State and some of the other players. That some, there's no Denzel Ward on this team, but they're not asked to play press man coverage and be as aggressive as they used to be. These guys are in off coverage. They're in zone coverages a lot, and they, they, the flexibility and the point of the defensive coverage shell is to create ambiguity and to create uh, to force you to throw underneath and then rally and tackle. So by product of this, you're not going to see guys at the catch point as much, and you're not going to see those contested catch situations. It's going to be more tackle for a, a punt, essentially, like ta- rally, tackle, punt is what they're looking for. Very good, T. Frank. That is it for quarter two. We'll pick up the Ohio State conversation in quarter four. First, quarter three, we've got your questions, and we ask T. Frank. Hello, and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. We all know what that means. We know it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we're going to take your questions for T. Frank. And if you want to send T. Frank a question, just download our app, Keystone Sports, you'll see the Ask T. Frank and Ask Andy button. Click on that and send in your question. Who knows? Maybe next week we will read your question on the air. Let's start with Kurt in Lehigh Valley, who says, There is a thought in some circles that Penn State might be holding back some running plays for use against Ohio State or Michigan. What are examples of running plays that could surprise such teams? That, no, so that that's the thing is like, I've said this before about defense. There's only so many ways you can cut up the field, you know, so there are only so many coverages you can run. Uh, it's about how you apply those coverages. And, you know, to use the example of Ohio State, because it's right here in the windshield, playing three safeties creates this ambiguity of what are they doing? You can go from a cover two look where you, that middle safety is playing the deep hole player, or you can then have a straight cover three, which changes some things for the the offense and where the route that they need to target is targeted uh, with the run game. It's about formation for me because Penn state run. There's only a certain number of running schemes that teams typically use. Now there's some fringe stuff like, you know, for example, like trap is a, is a, uh, is a type of running style that a lot of teams don't use, but you can use it every once in a while to uh, confuse the defense or to, to catch them off guard. Cause you don't run it. But for the most part, Penn State runs inside zone like everybody else. They run outside zone, which is what they're shifting to. They run counter and they run some man concepts where the, you know, the straight ahead running style. So they run all of those things. They've shown all of those things all season long. It's a, to me, it's about the formations and some of the tweaks that they use in order to augment those running plays. And we again, we've seen those this year. It's just how much have we seen them? So, for example, both of the tight ends. They've played 12 personnel a lot. Last year, they had them in the backfield. They've done that this year. They did that against West Virginia. They haven't used it as much, where you've got two tight ends in the backfield, the running back is behind the quarterback, and you're basically running the pistol with two fullbacks. And just want to say this again for Penn State fans, Penn State uses fullbacks. They're just 260 pounds, which should get you more excited about them because they're bigger, right? Right? So anyway, yes. that's what we're talking. Yes. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. That's the difference between what you might be saving. It's just using different parts of your playbook that you haven't used, and then whatever creative wrinkle that week or that uh, if there is something that they've been saving, it's something that we haven't seen from a formation standpoint. Um, and and I I don't know. Like that's where it's ambiguous because we haven't seen it. Um, so we don't know if it's there. 
And I, I, I can't tell you like what I've seen. Yes, there's parts of the playbook that I think are trickier for defenses to handle. That they have just not had to use. Like they ran their base offense against UMass. But I, I wouldn't say they're hiding anything um, in this playbook for Ohio State and Michigan. That, but like just like Michigan last year, they might have a wrinkle uh, playing off their base that they haven't used yet. And that's semantics at that point. And I don't want to stretch this question out too long because we have several more to get to. But I think that's where, when I saw this question, I thought about what you talked about in last year's Michigan-Penn State game, where you said um, Michigan totally went against all of their tendencies for the from the yeah. first several games. And that that was the situation that caught Penn State off guard. All right, let's go to Steve in Columbia. He says, T. Frank, I'm no X's and O's guru like you, and this might be a fairly obvious observation, but it seems to me that the entire game boils down to one thing. Which team can stay ahead of the sticks and not get in consistent third and longs? The pass rush for both teams are scary, and a first-year starter at quarterback is a recipe for disaster. This also seems like one of those questions where Steve gave the answer, which we're starting to get used to, uh, D. Frank. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would disagree. And because we talked about Marvin Harrison Jr., because he can just he can just cheat code your way out of a third and long. Uh, the quarterback obviously has to throw a ball within his zip code, but that is a big zip code. Like it's like the 814, which goes all the way up to Erie, if you didn't know that, <laughs> which is here in Center County. Uh, so he he covers a lot of territory. I, I think that's very important for Penn State. But for Ohio State, their whole offense is based on explosive plays. So I can't agree 100% to say that. But if you want to put their offense in bad situations, yes, put them, put them in third and long. They, they're, cut them, they bleed like everybody else. They just have an, they have an escape hatch from time to time. And you can't, I can't sit here and predict uh, contested catch situations and explosive plays from Marvin Harrison Jr. that shouldn't work, but do. And I would say that's that's the big area. To me, for Penn State, staying on schedule, it comes down to the interior of the offensive line, run blocking and pass blocking. One thing I didn't mention about Ohio State is they have good they have good pass rushers on the interior too. Number 51 is a good pass rusher. Um, uh, Michael Hall Jr. He can, Vega Yuane is a redshirt freshman. Not to boil it down to one player, because I also, it, whenever you say it comes down to one thing, like we are getting, the, the lens is too narrow for me with football, because football is too many complex things moving at the same time. But Vega Yuane and his play is going to have a massive effect on this game. If he plays up to the level they need, Penn State has, they can, they can churn yards. If he plays like a redshirt freshman, the offense could fall apart. And that's that's so huge why J.B. Nelson being out of the lineup uh, and whether he plays this weekend, we won't find out until we find out. But it just doesn't seem like he's going to be available. So that to me, I, I can't say it's just one thing staying ahead of the sticks. I think it is for Penn State, but I can't say the same thing for uh, McCord and Ohio State. Let's go to Josh in Morgantown, who says, do you see Kalen King shadowing Marvin Harrison on Saturday? How does having your best corner shadowing the best wide receiver change the constructs of this defense? So, you know, sparked a question because I've been asked about this quite a bit. Um, no, I do not see them shadowing with Kalen King because the problem is at that point, I think Kalen, if he's been doing this, it doesn't affect him. But the rules and your um, 
responsibilities change when you go into the slot. There's other things you have to contend with. It's a little bit like being a safety because you have to be aware of the run more than you do outside. If there's one guy that would that would shadow Marvin Harrison Jr., it's Johnny Dixon because he's a slot corner. They play him in the slot, and then you can put Cam Miller outside, and you have guys that are more familiar with their responsibilities throughout the defense. So I could see that being a part of the conversation. I definitely think in the Prowler package, uh, it's going to be a dime look where you're going to have, you're not going to have another safety in there. You're not going to have Keaton Ellis and Zachy Wheatley and KJ Winston. You're going to have Daquan Hardy and, uh, and Johnny Dixon on the interior on third down. So I think that is a big part of this game for sure. But King plays on the outside. He's been an outside corner the whole time. And I don't think that's going to change this week because unless they've been practicing another thing that they've been hiding, right? So they're hiding all of these things. Uh, unless they've been practicing that this whole time, then I don't think they'll do it just for this week because there are too many moving parts. Gotcha. All right. Let's uh, go to Dominic in Montreal who says, in the spirit of self-scouting, it got me wondering, if you're Ohio State or Michigan, how would you attack Penn State's offense and defense? Pretty hmm. wide open question there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if I'm attacking Penn State, I am going to clog the middle of the offensive line. I'm going to be aggressive against the run. And I think you've seen teams do that. And Penn State has been just fine getting three yards. Their offensive line has contended with that pretty well. Um, and this is the thing is like the template is already out there each year by the time you get to game six or seven and teams have been like, yeah, I, t I broke this down in T Frank's film room at bluewhiteillustrated.com uh, of J one slider talked about it last week of how teams have played them differently and how, and I showed visually how that works for the, the offense. So messing up the offensive lines, uh, blocking schemes in zone. I think that's the number one thing you've got to do. And then when it comes to, the uh, passing game, you've got to get the efficient rhythm. You can't give them the off coverage. You just can't give Drew Aller the off coverage to the field. He's going to take it 100, 100 times out of 100. He's going to take the easy throw. And when you've got Trey Wallace back, it's available. So you've got to play off coverage, but trigger downhill pretty effectively. Give them the deep ball, because that's one area you haven't been proven that they're going to be successful. That's how I, I would gamble on that personally. And then defensively, um, I think you've got to use aggressiveness against them. So when Penn State is stunting and slanting, uh, change up your play call, where normally you would do this, do the opposite. And Manny Diaz is probably predicting where you're going with the ball. Do a, Break a lot of your tendencies against Penn State, and you might rip off some big runs. And then on top of that, in third down situations, I think that there are times where you can catch guys. Jay, we saw Jalen Reed do this, where he wasn't aware on a... Uh, a leak out of the backfield and he blitzed or attack the field safety. Those are the things I guess I would do in those situations against Penn state. Let's move to Tom in Marysville PA who says, do you think moving Mike Yursich down on the field and out of the box would help drew Aller at times? He seems confused. And last year's 11 and two team had the coordinator on the field, even with a well-seasoned Sean Clifford running the offense. It seemed to work for Joe Moorhead when Penn State made their last Big Ten championship run. So I'd never want to say no, you know, because who knows, whatever could work. But um, Drew Aller is not confused. Drew Aller is, is seeing the field very well. They are not connecting, and he is not taking some of the more aggressive throws. So they, they are, 
I just I, I want to emphasize this again. The results of the play doesn't necessarily coincide with what happens. There are times where the offense in general gets caught in a bad look. And there are times when the receivers maybe don't run a correct route or or some breakdown happens. And more times than not, Drew is making the right decision to not throw the football and to either scramble, throw the ball away, do one or two things that are sacrificial to gaining big yardage. But he is out operating the offense incredibly well. Um, they just have to be better at receiver and they have to be better at quarterback taking the kill shot. And that is not necessarily going bombs away, but it's okay. I'm going to take a calculated risk here. The, 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 the flat defender I'm reading, he's giving me an ambiguous look, but Trey Wallace is open. I need to throw him the football because that's my job. And it doesn't have to be every single time. You can still check it down, be responsible, but be a little bit. And I've talked about this before a little more, just a little more athletic hubris. You need a little bit of cayenne in this, in this offensive recipe. And then I think that they could be on the side of unstoppable as opposed to somewhere in the middle. And I'm going to just take the other side just for a second too, on this T Frank, where if he's checking down and there was a specific play against UMass, it was obvious he yep. was looking downfield and didn't see what he liked through to the check down. They got eight yards on first down. It was second and two, which still leaves the playbook wide open. If you want to go yep. deep, second and two is a great time to do that. So yep. I don't have a problem. I would have had more of a problem him throwing into coverage and having incompletion. That's it for Ask T. Frank. Stick around. Quarter four, we'll name a winner, and we'll get back to Penn State, Ohio State. Stay tuned. Are you a company that is passionate about athletics and wants to tap into the Penn State sports community? Maybe you're a community organization in State College, Center County, Pennsylvania, or even Planet Earth. Are you interested in growing your brand and leveraging our YouTube and podcast platform? Or are you just a person that has some money to spend? If you're any of those things, or something I didn't bring up just now, consider advertising on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube show. We have a dedicated and passionate audience that is just waiting to hear from you. Through, through me, talking about your business on the show. That, that's how we do it. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, email Michelle Delee Hamilton at Michelle at ComanPub.com. That's Michelle at ComanPub.com. We're waiting to hear from you. Through me, talking about you. Again, that's how we do it. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. It's Penn State, Ohio State week, which, of course, is a big week. We're going to get back to that Buckeye Nittany Lion discussion, T. Frank. But first, we need a winner from Ask T. Frank. Who is it? Yeah, we didn't get too far away from it because Josh Morgantown asked if Kalen King could uh, shadow Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's, it's a great question. I've been asked by other like people in the industry that, that wanted to get my opinion on, hey, does, does Penn State do this? And I'm like, I've never seen it. Just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean they won't do it. So it's a really good question everybody wants to know because everyone wants that. That's, that's one of those like boxing matches that you want to see. But I just, I, it's a, it's a great question. My analysis coming in is just he's going to play his role. Marvin Harrison Jr. plays on the outside eighty-seven percent of the time, so we're going to see it a good bit. Uh, but maybe on third down, we don't. 
Okay, very good. We'll be getting in touch with you, Josh. Let's get back to Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, T. Frank, when we finished up, we were talking about the Ohio State defense. And let's start from that point, but let's reverse this a little bit. Instead of just talking about Ohio State, let's go and talk about how Penn State now will attack Ohio State. If you're the Penn State offense, if you see what they've been doing all season and kind of the predominant uh, principle of this Penn state offense has been being very methodical, marching the ball down the field versus those explosive plays. And at this point, six and O halfway through the season, is that who this offense is? And is that what we should expect going forward? No matter who the opponent is. Yes. And no, Uh, I always want to give, I always want to give players the ability to evolve and I always want to give the opportunity for guys to surprise you. But generally I've talked about this. This is part of our conversation uh, with Tom's question about Mike Yersich. It's, it's not as much about Mike Yersich as it is about Drew Aller. You lose control of the play call. Once the quarterback has the ball in his hands. And my observation is Drew Aller is a safe conservative player. And I think they've coached him to be that. But we saw against UMass, given the opportunity, they will take shots down the field. So opportunity in this particular game, I think the narrative continues that Penn State is a safe, methodical offense. Because for the most part, unless Ohio State dips into, again, breaks some trends, dips into more aggressive parts of their playbook, plays a little more cover one, then I think you're going to see the same thing from Penn State. And that is something that, to kind of get into that matchup, uh, something else is scouting Penn State. Penn State's receivers are not great against press coverage once again. They don't necessarily separate really well, except for Trey Wallace. And again, it's UMass, Delaware, and West Virginia, so I don't know how it happens against a Big Ten team. It's very frustrating for me to say, like, he's always open, but watching him specifically against UMass, Keandre Lambert-Smith, we all saw he was not getting open. He was getting held. Physicality through the catch point, running away from guys. Sometimes he struggles with that if you grab him. Try it's like trying to grab a, a like I don't even have a good example of like what animal would be like trying to, to tackle. Trey Wallace is so explosive, he is so fast, he just gets away from coverage in press coverage situations very easily. So does that change the dynamic in this game? That's another one of those we'll find out when it happens because you can press Penn State. I think the general nature of this game is though it's gonna have to be methodical. You're going to have to continue to be methodical in this game because if you've got three safeties, you can do a bunch of stuff to prevent deep passes and then make guys dink and dunk underneath. And this is where the the, the difficulty level uh, is now higher. You can do that and be methodical even against that Iowa defense. Like it was a very good defense and they imposed their will on them. It's just going to be harder. You can't make as many mistakes. And Penn State is still making mistakes along the way, but they're good enough to overcome them. This is the test, and I don't know, and most people don't know, how they're going to to pass or fail that test. And that's going to be the biggest thing to me is they have to be ultra-efficient. No mistakes, no drops, no uh, mental busts in the run game. They've got to be on their game so that the success and failure comes down to, did you get your block, not did you forget your block? And T. Frank. We don't know yet how Penn State's offense, and you were mentioning the wide receivers specifically, will perform against 
a, a team like Ohio State. However, in watching Penn State game to game to game, it's a much more potent wide receiver group when Trey Wallace is on the field than when he's not. In my mind, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and this comes down to positional. So if you look at receivers just as a blanket statement, then Penn State has enough receivers to field the team that are good because you've got Liam Clifford in the slot. I think Caden Saunders has shown some good things in flashes, and you've got Keandre Lambert-Smith. But who's playing on the outside? Those are three slot receivers that I think Penn State feels good about, especially Liam Clifford and Keandre Lambert-Smith. But Lambert-Smith has to play on the outside now for a good portion of the season because they don't have guys X's and Z's. Those are your outside receivers to complement what they can do from the slot. And that's where Trey Wallace, he is a difference maker for the offense because he provides stability in one of those outside receiver positions, Malik McLean and uh, Dante Cephas, they were brought in to play those positions, but they have struggled to see the field because of those consistency. It's the same thing. James Franklin has talked about since May is that they need to find guys to step up and be consistent. Consistent means catching the football. It means running the right route and having the right attention to detail in your route. You need to be on the hash if you need to be on the hash. You need to be outside the numbers if you need to be outside the numbers because that changes the spacing for the the secondary and puts stress on different areas. And they've got to be attention to detail on those things. They have trained and developed, and this is why you want to have – you know, recruiting be strong because you select the guys, you train them, and then you play them. Bringing in transfers condenses that that training time. You can't rely on that to be consistent unless you, you're getting guys that are good to begin with and understand all of these things to begin with. So that's why Trey Wallace has such an effect. And then on top of that, I think his physical abilities, his that what we just talked about, his explosiveness, his ability to get away from press coverage, and as long as he's catching the football consistently, his ability to uh, move the sticks. Those are all critical to this offense, and we saw we saw it early, and I think we saw a little bit against UMass. His ability to catch those those throws that Aller wants to make, I think it complements really well and unlocks a lot of things for Keanu Lambert Smith and the rest of the offense. Let's go to the other side of the ball. You scouted this Ohio State offense. Now you're in Manny Diaz's shoes. How does the Penn State defense attack this Ohio State offense? So I I, I don't want to say I don't want to go back on what I said with Stephen Columbia, where they Ohio State has an out in third and long. But that's the, that is the point. Get them in third and long and make their tackles pass protect and their center pass protect in uh, obvious passing situations. It's not going to be perfect. Penn State's going to give up yardage in this game. They're not going to suffocate this team like they have others. But you do increase your opportunity of getting sacks, fumbles, uh, interceptions, and things like that when you put pressure on quarterback Kyle McCord. McCord has not shown that he's good in those situations. But here's the secret. You can get pressure on first down if they decide to throw the ball on first down. So get pressure. That's the answer here, and to attack the edges and the center of this pocket, I think, is is critical. Getting Chop Robinson and uh, Abdul Carter to mug the A-gap and to threaten the center and the running backs in pass protection is massive because one of two things is going to happen. You're going to allocate more resources to the center of the pocket to shore it up, leaving your outside one-on-one, or you're going to shore up the outside and chip on you know the tackles and leave the interior in one-on-one. Penn State has a great 
threat balance right now where they can deploy resources because they got four legitimate rushers to attack from different areas. And then it comes down to stopping the run, which I think Penn State can do. Kate Stover's a good uh, receiving tight end. He's not strong against the run. So Chop Robinson denied it a sudden Disa Isaac. They've got to wreak havoc on this outside zone, which I think they can do. So defensive tackles get vertical, make some plays, put them in those third and long situations. And then it's just roll the dice. And I'm I, like, I'm getting really <laughs> excited about this game. Just talking about it because those are going to be some fun, like hair raising moments to play through because they've got athletes. You've got athletes. You feel like you have the advantage, but this is not a game. Penn State's going to walk away from like, they're not going to just, roll in and win they've got to go win it and those are going to be the high leverage opportunities that people have loved to watch when these two teams play if you're manny diaz and you're this penn state defense you know it's about putting pressure on the offense putting pressure on the quarterback this is the most talented team penn state's playing does that create a situation where you think penn state it takes more risks fewer risks because of it or is yeah. it just essentially the same? You know, you talked about the defensive ends. We saw against UMass, they were bringing Cam Miller, a cornerback, yeah. and blitzing. Against a better team like this, what is that tendency, more or less? So. <laughs> well, uh, Manny Diaz is more and then more and then more. So, like, I I can't predict what he's going to do. Here's, here's what I guess my it would be my concern. Um, you don't want to give the same look repeatedly because McCord is a good quarterback and he's not going to, I don't think he's going to throw the ball to you as much um, as he might take sacks. Now you might get a couple. So if you're zone blitzing and you're dropping into zone coverage, my concern would be Marvin Harrison Jr. is just going to find the soft spot in the zone and eat that up. So I want to have somebody on him that I feel confident is going to make him earn it and fight for it. So whether that's a match system where you're doing some zone dropping and you keep, you know, a player on him in those situations, which is largely dictated where he lines up. You can't always make that happen, but I'm going to try and play him straight up with, uh, you know, maybe a safety sh shaded over top as much as possible. And then from there, I'm going to deal with the consequences of Emeka Abuka and, uh, and um, Jul Julian, Fleming Julian Fleming and letting, letting those guys win or lose the game. Abuka is injured. You know, he's not a hundred percent, even if he plays, we know that as a fact. Um, so that can be an area where I don't want to vacate the middle of the field too much and give them some big plays. That's what happened last year is Penn State blitzed, I think a little too much and gave some obvious, easy throws to the offense, which helped keep them moving. So I would play more man and then let those guys win and lose, but you're going to lose some. And that's that again, there's no easy solution here. You're not going to find, okay, X defense works. We'll use that the whole time. All right, T Frank, I wasn't going to let you run out the clock. <laughs> <laughs> I had to leave time. Need your prediction for the game. So at this and point, I, I am you hate more, <laughs> I am more equipped right now to give you a prediction than at any point this year, because I've done enough legwork to have a good, I still want to watch more. I still want more details, but I don't have, you know, I have enough to say, I think Penn state can win this. I think it's a defensive battle. So 27, 24 Penn state. Very good. There. You heard it. T Frank guaranteeing a Penn state win versus the Buckeyes <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, sure. <laughs> all right t frank thanks so much for all the great information thank you all for listening to our show make sure you join us next time 
on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs> 